Good morning. What a day. I think it was snowing this morning before the sun came up. I'm not sure. It was spitting. Kind of snowing. Uh, or it felt like snow anyway. Glad you're here today. Thank you for choosing to worship with us. Uh, man, we had a great Wednesday night. Thank you for those who have served um, in countless ways this past week getting ready for that event. 300 plus people out here. I have no idea what the number was. We tried three times trying to figure out how to count it. Uh, it's impossible to count that many people wandering around. <clears throat> Later in the night, it kind of got mostly around the fire because it was cold. But uh, we had a great, we had a great evening Wednesday night. Robin did a great job. Our children's minister um, coordinating all that. Today uh, we start a new series. It's a book study of the of the chapter um, chapter one of of First John. We're going to do a book study of First John. We ended our question series uh, last week. Thank you for those who have. Uh, turned in questions. We we had so many questions. Some of them we couldn't answer all up here on stage, but we did try to get um, some of them answered on Facebook. Hopefully you you've seen those. But uh, that that was a great series. Thank you for uh, contributing to that. There was a pattern on a lot of questions that we try to kind of lump together and try to answer those. So thank you for uh, for helping us. But for the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about a book, a letter to a church by a very old man. Most theologians believe that this uh, writer, John the Apostle, was in the last days of his life, at least the last few years. The last thing that he wrote were some letters to some churches that he was responsible for. And that's what we're going to break down and talk about because these are words we need to heed today in the world that we live in. He's trying to explain the difference of living a life for God and with God and allowing God to work through us and the false teachings of the day because the truth wasn't obvious to them. Over a period of time, the truth became distorted and they started living strangely. So strangely that some writers believe that it was a fractured community in most of the churches that had begun in Acts. So John is given a last shot at trying to talk about what is being distorted in our lives as we walk today. So turn with me to 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to start talking about 1 John. It's kind of in two sections. One is the introduction, the declaration, the verification of the truth. And the second part is the fellowship and the instruction. So the first part, verses 1 through 4, are kind of the declaration, the verification about what John's talking about and who John's talking about. And the second part, 5 through 10, are six verses that are very important in instruction that we need to heed today. So in honor of God's Word, would you stand please? And let's read together. Or you follow along while I read. 
1 John 1 through 10. What was from the beginning, what we've heard and what we've seen with our eyes and what we've observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed. And we've seen it and we testify and we declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and what was revealed to you. What we've seen and heard, we've also declared to you so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We're writing these things so that our joy may be made complete. Verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you, God is light. And there is absolutely no darkness in Him. If we say we have fellowship with Him and yet we walk in darkness, we're lying and we're not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light and He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sins. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins and He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. Father, thank you for your word. Living word. A word that lights our path. That clears confusion. That presents the truth, declares who's in charge. May it be clear to us today. Light our path for it in your name that we pray. Amen. When I was a kid, I've talked a little bit about this up here uh, teaching before. When I was a kid, about 10 years old, we had a game um, in our neighborhood, about 15 people, and uh, we all rode bikes, really cool bikes. We were awesome, or at least we thought we were. And we would always go down, because we'd come home from school, those were the days that, you know, parents, many of you probably in this way, about 3.20, we would get home, we'd eat a bag of crackers and we'd drink a glass of tea and we'd take off we wouldn't come home till the sun went down that that was the signal you know we're always looking at the sun trying to figure out it's got this much left we had to be home before the sun went down my parents had no idea where we were (laughs) Uh, but we went to the field which is where Donaldson Christian Academy is today or we went to the river, which is down under the bridge at Lebanon Road, right there by Coles. And we, that was the playground. There was two barns. There were, there were two barns. Sorry, English people. There were two barns. There was a big one and a little one. The big barn, the, the little barn had fall, fallen in. It was dilapidated. The big barn was kind of still intact. It was probably really dangerous, but we didn't, we didn't know that. And here, here's something we did. 
we would leave our bikes about 100 yards from the barn. And we would sneak up on that barn. And with our flashlights in our pockets, we would get all the way into the barn as quietly as we could. Without crinkling any leaves or sticks, we would sneak in there. And then at one time, we would count backwards. Three, two, one. We'd flick the lights on. And I've said it from this stage. That this is where I learned the rats run and hide when the lights come on. Two interesting things happened. The rats would run and hide and an animal would also jump out or snakes and scare us to death. The light I learned was good because it showed us what was in the barn. The dark that we snuck in, we couldn't see anything. And it was difficult to understand the dangers around us. And when we flicked the light on, the rats ran and hid. The rats played, had a blast during the darkness. I guess they can see in dark. I don't know. I've never studied a rat before. But they're all over the place. And we flick the light on and they run and hide. I learned light was God. Reality. What was really there. I couldn't see it in the dark, but it was really there. I learned it was reality. I learned it was goodness. I learned it was the word of life. God brings those memories of childhood back to me many many times because scripture says i you come to the knowledge of jesus christ and believe in him as a child things are simple then and i often go back to that field and back to that river i learned that darkness is bad you can't see you stumble over what's there and you didn't know it. What you step on hurt. Became evil. Sin. Verses 1 through 4 are the declaration. Of what's fixing to be said in verses 5 through 10. The reason why that's important is because many, many times. I think about seven. The same phrase is used throughout the book of 1 John. What you've already known is one of them. What you've heard from the beginning, a message that was told to you from the beginning, over and over, those phrases go all the way through 1 John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, all the book of John. The reason why that's important is because the first four set that up. It's the life of Jesus that was revealed. And the life of Jesus is the light of life. It's the word of life. Important for the credibility and the validation of what John writes. He writes many times in the book, in his gospel, the very same thing he's saying more poignantly to how we live today in verses 5 through 10. So we're going to focus on 5 through 10. If you'll um, look with me in those 
verses. Number one, God is light. God is light. How many people have been to Carlsbad Caverns? You ever been to Carlsbad Caverns? Have you ever been? How many people have even been in a cave? In a cavern cave, whatever. I, I, have, I have some pictures to show you, some awesome pictures. Um, this first picture is a picture of Carlsbad Cavern. That's a real picture. That's a real picture. That wasn't a mistake. If you've been in a cave, you know. You cannot see your hand in front of your face. It's impossible. Many times I've gone down in these caves and they turn the lights off and you cannot see a thing. Your, li- your eyes are trying to adjust and when the light does come back on, ah, you know, it, 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 it's difficult to see because it hurts. Here's some more pictures with the light exposing what's there before and we couldn't see it. These pictures are beautiful. Light is exposing the beauty. Light is exposing what was already there. It was there the whole time. We can't argue it wasn't there because it was. But the light wasn't on it. Light. Light is something that's very difficult to talk about because light is something that is physical and it's spiritual. John talks about this over and over again in the Gospel of John. In John 1, 5, he says, The light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. In John three twenty, it says, For everyone that practices wicked things hates the light. Because that light exposes evil deeds. 8.12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness again, but have the light of life. John 12.36, While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become sons and daughters of the light. On and on and on, he's talking about the light. And so in this book, in this letter, he's writing the very same thing. It's not new information. From the beginning was told to you. It's the validation, verses 1 through 4, and the message, 5 through 10. The light of life has power and energy. Because of the light and the life of Jesus... There's energy and there's power. The light of life has purpose and motion. It's not stagnant like a light post. It's not static, it's dynamic. It's not a lighthouse only. Because if it were, then many times you could come back and say, I didn't see the light. No, the light that John's talking about is living in you. Has purpose and motion. The light of life grows and expands. Over and over again, the fountain of life, a phrase used 
grows and expands. The light of life begets offspring. I just read it in John 12. Believe in the light and you will become sons of the light. John is proclaiming two things. The purposes of this light that we need to identify today. The first one is the illumination of the character of God. The second one is the understanding and the direction for our life. It's the pathway that lights our way. Those two things are always present. They're always truth. Light is doing both things. It's the character of God. It's also the direction. The light for our feet. In 1 John 1, 5, it says, Now, this is the message we've heard from Him and declare to you, God is light and there's absolutely no darkness in Him. John uses the word light and darkness that hides and confuses our pathway. But this light makes faces recognizable and the outline of our roadway discernible. A few, a few weeks ago, we were on the beach on vacation. We go out at night with flashlights on the sand. You've got to leave your shoes at the door. You've got to go out barefooted. But one thing that the younger kids have a hard time understanding is if you don't have a flashlight, you're going to step on things that hurt. And you're going to find things that you are not going to want to know are there. Crazy things, crabs and stuff. You have to be careful when you're walking because you need a light. Otherwise, you're walking and you don't know where you're going and you don't know what you're stepping on. You don't know what's beside you. It's dark. You can always determine where the ocean is because of the noise. It's always over here, over there. Depends on which way you're walking. Flick the light on. Path is easy. Everything is seen and exposed. You know right where to step. There's no landmines to walk on. Sticks that are sticking up is what I call landmines. <laughs> Ow. They hurt. C.S. Lewis, probably the hardest author to read I've ever read. It'll wear you out reading a C.S. Lewis book. But I love it. He says... In the book Miracles, we believe that the sun is in the sky at midday in summer. Not because we can clearly see the sun, in fact we cannot, but because we can see everything else. Light exposes the darkness. We believe in God not because we can clearly see, but because God illuminates everything else. The light that lives in us. What we need to do. Who we need to follow. And who has been there with us the whole time. Number one, God is light. Number two, we cannot live a double life. 1 John 1, 6 through 7. Verses about fellowship with him and fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. This is the biggest issue that John's church was raising 
the issue of the people living double lives. Many of us face the exact same challenge today. And I want to confess to you, this one right here beat me up pretty bad. Because it's hard to get up here and talk about something that is so real. It's not, it's not an easy life to live a godly life. And the first thing you have to do when you're living, trying to live a godly life is realize that you are not going to get there. You're not going to have that destination. But it doesn't take away the need to move forward in your attempt at confessing your sin, realizing first maybe that it is sin, what John says. Number two, confessing that sin. And number three, moving on away from it. To repent, to turn away from, to abandon that sin. Because the sin needs to be out of our life so there's room for the truth in our life. That's the most difficult part of this whole thing. Double life is what most of these people were living. And it confused people. There was no true, genuine relationship with God or with each other. Difficult to understand for each other in that church. A God of light expects lives that are permeated by such light. There should be no zero, I mean, there, there should be zero difference. There should be no difference of what happens on Sunday in your life and what happens in the rest of the week. There should be no difference in the day of the week of what I'm doing. The life lived with integrity in the relationships with God and with, with each other. It doesn't matter if people see it or not. Is the life we live drawing people to God or is it fracturing their view? Some say, I love my church and the church life, but not living in it. I like the culture around me during the week. And we learn to compartmentalize and we have a church world and we have a worldly world. And those worlds are separated by a divider that we put up. That becomes the double life. Because the people over here don't know me this way. And the people over here don't know me this way. It's the double life. And they were living it in the church. Today, social media does a lot of that. It enables us to have the appearance of something and not really have it in our lives. The reality of it is we're concerned more about the appearance of something than we are what's actually happening. There's a necessary uncomfortableness. The uncomfortableness that needs to happen. We need to be exposed it's that confusion of anger and hurtfulness that the light is not exposed. Sometimes the absence of God in it, that God sends the help through Jesus Christ to help us get through that, confess our sins. That's when we talk about the blood of Jesus. What's important about the blood of Jesus that's mentioned in verse 7 is that we're able to be cleansed and return to the light that we already know. And John says it over and over again. 
in what we already know, the message that's already been told from the beginning. It's the same information. It's just now has a new reality to us in our life because light has motion. The Greek word catharsis means to turn away from. It needs to be cleaned out, to be completely renovated. The blood of Jesus that gives us true fellowship with God and with each other. Number three, we embrace the truth. We don't reject it or deflect it. In verses 8 through 10, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. Because that truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we don't have sin, that we don't need that cleansing, then we're a liar. We're making him a liar. We're, we're, we're saying God's a liar. Because we have no need for it. There's three things I want to talk about quickly in this, in this verse, in these verses. Number three, if we have sin in our life, but we say we have no sin, then we lie to ourselves. It's where the word hypocrite often comes from. When I hear the word hypocrite, it's usually used out of out of term, out of definition. The, the problem with hypocrite is we're all hypocrites. Everybody. In the church, out of the church, we're trying to be somebody that we're not or we're not living that life that we're trying to project or we're not who we are in public that we are in private. It's the integrity of that relationship. That becomes the, the hypocrite. The Pharisees were living that out in that day. And he's, that's why he doesn't re- reference a lifestyle, he references the purpose of it. It's the blood of Jesus that forgives the sin and that we all need it. Greg Laurie, a famous pastor, says, uh, and Philip Nation actually said it from this platform, sin is not a pet to tame, but a beast to slay. It's almost like the, we're living in bubbles. We create this little bubble, this little fantasy land that we live in, and then we live that until the bubble bursts, and then we try to frantically build another bubble that we live in. The danger of that is that we don't have the opportunity to clean our house and leave it that way. We keep trying to live in the fantasy land. We need to embrace the truth. It's not the ignorance that creates the problem, it's the cover-up. Admit that we are sinners and that we need a Savior. Number two, if we confess, He is faithful every time. No exceptions. There is no darkness in Him. Therein lies a huge two-letter word, if, I-F. Can we let go of what's holding us back? Can we move forward? If-then scenarios typically don't work good for us. Typically, they always lead us back to the problem. It's what Satan uses the most against us. He's always talking about, you are no good. If people only knew what you did. He's always bringing up the past. If you've confessed that in the blood of Jesus Christ... 
God has already forgiven that. Jesus, because of his relationship to us, it's already over. But Satan uses that against us and we start to believe the lie. The weight of sin is death. And let's be real. The reward should overcome that. The light. The freedom. The love. The grace. The life lived in Him. Should be the reward. The forgiveness. The second chance. The ally being the greatest in the universe. God. And yet we forget that. And we move away from that. The word forgive in the Greek is used here. I mentioned a while ago. Uh, to leave behind. To repent. To abandon. To make a U-turn. To about face. Uh, more terms are probably there, but I'll stop. You leave it back there and you come this way. That's what forgive means. The promise to us from God that He'll forgive. He who is righteous will cleanse us from our anti-righteousness. Number three, if we say we have no sin, you're a liar and His word is not in you. Whoa. I read that about five times. I have some notes when I was a teenager. We, our youth pastor taught on this, on this passage. The realization to me that there should be fruit in my life if Jesus lives in me. If I'm a believer in Jesus, that double life we're talking about is creating a problem. Because the people at school and the people, the friends that I'm hanging around with, they, they're like, you're a Christian? <laughs> Wait, what? Or, or the other way, I play golf and many times I'll go and there'll be one or two of us and we'll join up with another group and we're out playing and, and we tee off and second tee, four, fifth, six, about the, usually around the turn, around nine or ten, the people we're playing with go, hey, so what do you do? I say, I'm a, I'm a uh, pastor. And they go, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> because what I didn't tell you was, they have a vocabulary that is not really used on Sunday morning. <laughs> when the ball would go off into the trees, there were some really choice descriptions of that. And they were fine with it, <laughs> apparently, until they asked me, so what do you do? Oh, I'm a pastor. Oh. So the second nine, there was nothing said. <laughs> the shallow view of a double life. We're proclaiming God is wrong. That he doesn't have it right. We're calling him a liar. It's the mindset. The discount for the truth. We deny our need for salvation through Jesus Christ. And we're saying there's no big deal with sin. Not understanding 
that it destroys us. The wages of sin is death and separation from God. As our band comes back up here, what do we do with this information? I've been beat up all week praying and studying and figuring out of all. I, I had like 12 and a half pages of notes. I can't say all this. It's going to take three hours. And, and so to pare it all down to what's something that's discernible, what can we take from the first chapter of 1 John? I think we need to reaffirm our commitment to the Lord. Maybe this song at the end of our service is the rededication time. Maybe you have prayed for the light and you feel exposed. Maybe you understand what I'm talking about and nobody else does. It may be time to reaffirm that commitment you have to the Lord and rededicate yourself to Him. And maybe you've never even given your life to Christ. You don't even know who I'm talking about. You've never met Him. You haven't lived for Him. Don't leave today without meeting Jesus. There's going to be people on both sides of our worship center that would love to talk to you about that. Maybe after the service, if you want to come up and you want to talk to them because you don't want to be exposed, whatever that may be, they're over here for you on both sides. Number two, I think we need to check and see if we're living a double life. It was a check I lived all week. A check, understanding the repentance, the cleansing and confession, living the life of God in full view of everyone. Accountability to my church. Number three, live life with margins where there's always room for God's truth and God's word. God's life the light of the world is pure shining because God said it that way share your relationship with God as you walk in him it's a light of energy and power it's of motion and purpose it begets offspring that's why we have to say what we believe. Our faith needs to be on our lips. Is it sometimes that we are too ashamed about how we live that we can't really talk about God? Then that would go back to number two. Let's evaluate our double life. It's not about how close I can get to the fire without getting burned. I have so many conversations about that with people. How close can I get to the fire? Because I can see it. How close can I get before I get burned? That's not risk management in the Christian life. It's the, it's the opposite. It's not risk management. It's flee from it. 
It's not how close can I get, it's how far away can I get. We're going to be hearing about this for the next several weeks. And my prayer for you and for me is that we learn from a very wise man, John the Apostle, who walked and had an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. He understood it and it was plain. In the letter to the church trying to expose false teaching. Nuggets that we can take today. I want to invite you to have prayer with our prayer partners. I want you to leave a prayer on a card. If you have a prayer request, we as staff and elders all pray for you. If you leave a card on that cross, it's prayed for numerous times. It's not a metaphor. It is actually happening. Okay? So I want to invite you to do that. There's also the Lord's Supper, communion on both tables. There's the exact same thing on both sides. I want to invite you during this song, if you want to partake in the Lord's Supper, you can come by yourself, you can come with your family, your life group, with a friend. This is your time, your integrity, and your relationship with the Lord.